0: Listening to the Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. and Joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing great. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We're good to be chatting
2: as always. And uh, today's uh, episode is, I think, um, I don't know. I i'm not going to say you know when we think about the hundred and some odd 70 or 80 or whatever it is episodes that we've done now um uh, it's it's not always that we get a chance to speak to a marketer kind of at the end of a transformation or at the Mm -hmm. end of a major initiative where they can truly look in the rearview mirror and say this is how that worked yeah um so that's why i'm kind of excited about today because i sometimes we're we're dealing in uh more future hypothetical (laughs) which of course is a kind of fun but um yeah so exercising a bit of a different part of our brain today maybe
1: yeah absolutely and also just really diving into an aspect of manufacturing marketing that we have spoken about before but not in this way like we're going to be diving into um into e-commerce in a way that i think a lot of Manufacturers, not necessarily the marketers, but the manufacturers are a bit scared of. Yeah, they
2: maybe don't think about it in this way. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So I, I really like the approach. Looking forward to it. So joining us today is Adam Crumbine. Adam is the former VP of Marketing at Southwest Antennas. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Adam. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you could join us.
2: Adam, uh, look, why don't we kick things off by uh, telling our listeners a, a little bit about you and uh, and Southwest
3: yeah uh, i have been in marketing for 15 years now uh, the whole time has been a b2b manu- uh, marketing for manufacturers and the last seven years i spent at southwest antennas um, a manufacturer and uh, designer of rugged antenna products for military and defense and uh, federal law enforcement applications
2: really cool and they and and now just to as a bit of a tip of the hat to where you're going next I, I know that we're, we're speaking to you right at the transition point in your career so you're on to a company called outward I believe is that it
3: yeah it's a company called outward they're owned by Williams Sonoma they are uh, also a manufacturing company but they produce uh, some machine learning software and AI powered software that controls uh cameras for capturing uh visual merchandising information for manufacturers and retailers to more quickly get uh products from the manufacturing floor up for sale online
2: and I think that is going to be a really cool topic of conversation for In your second appearance on yeah. yeah yeah I'll come back yeah. and talk about it I, I've, I have researched uh, that, that that offering a bit um uh, over the last while and it's, I, I could see a lot of applications across many kind of manufacturing verticals. I uh, think it's an exciting, uh, an exciting uh, initiative there. But look, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Southwest antennas. So um, at Southwest, um, uh, you were really the, um, the, the visionary that brought e-commerce uh, to the business, Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was lucky enough to work with a great uh, ownership team. So my primary uh, boss and direct report there was the uh, co-owner of the company, and he had a lot of really um, kind of forward-thinking ideas of how he wanted the uh, company to operate. And so I was lucky to to work under a, uh, a leadership team that let us kind of do whatever we felt like doing. So um, we, I guess, should I just kind of get into it? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious.
2: I mean, I'm assuming e-commerce wasn't just something you felt like doing, but there must have been at least some strategic uh, imperative there, some kind of hunch that you had about the role – e-commerce could play in the business yeah
3: i had done um e-commerce at my previous company uh another company that you would not think of one is maybe uh, potentially falling under e-commerce because the the cost of the products and the market we are in so i thought that it would uh potentially work again in another uh, another market where you might not see e-commerce for every uh every company so we tried it again and it worked uh fantastic for us
1: how did you go about um so obviously you know you're you're looking at this from previous experience and and seeing that you know you know there's an opportunity here how are you bringing this forward because you know you're right when you're talking about products like this it's not necessarily something that everybody would think of you know just dropping their credit card into a form online to a company they may not have worked with before and ordering a piece of gear so it's expensive enough and and, uh, and custom enough and, and all of that, that maybe that's not necessarily their first thought. What was your thought process going into that to to get people to come around to the idea that this might make sense?
3: So uh, it started because we had essentially no web presence. Uh, it was an old website, probably had five or six pages on it, just very typical of a, a manufacturing company in the uh, the mid 2000s, but not appropriate for one in 2015. So. Our first uh, task was that we need to get all our products online. My, uh, my boss who hired me is like, you know, we have tons of products. No one knows about them. You know, hundreds and hundreds of products that have never seen the light of day that we've engineered. So we need to have them up on our website. So my thought is, you know, uh, e-commerce website is a great way to structure and organize products. And these would uh, fit, um, I think, fit the bill to, to sell online. So let's set it up as an e-commerce website and that will serve as kind of the to guide our our backend structure. and then we can kind of design how we want to display the products around that on the website and have the information readily available for customers. So that's where kind of the genesis of that was as as um, we were thinking about how we wanted to get the stuff on the website. it just made sense to to use the uh, the structure of e-commerce to, to uh, kind of be our, our guide when we were setting that up.
2: You no, know, a good many people have done that without adding the add-to-cart functionality. Like they pick mm-hmm. it, they you know, have the benefit of e-commerce. Uh, uh, the cataloging yeah, the structure, cat- structure. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. This is where Jeff comes in and saves me. because He's much more of a Taxonomy. That. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed, I was waiting for it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I guess uh, you made the decision to, to go obviously a few steps further than that um and I'm assuming that was within the context of an existing distributor channel relationship environment etc can you kind of tell us a little bit about that
3: yeah so uh what we had existing at that time were just external sales reps we didn't have any uh, distribution when I first started at Southwest antenna so it's something I uh, helped to bring on board after I started but we had existing sales reps and so um at first we had to just kind of work around our existing sales rep model and or uh, yeah our existing sales rep model and that worked fine because the way we happen to run it is we would give the credit to the account reps in the area the items sold to no matter what channel it came through so if it came through the internet that was fine they're still getting uh the credit for it and then they're getting the the details about the customer so they could follow up with the customer and make sure products are working well have additional follow-ons with that person who's in their territory so that's the uh, kind of the method we use to get around any sort of conflict with uh with our external sale sales rep partners um distribution was a little bit more of a difficult thing to uh to work around once we started doing distribution we found that there was a little bit of competition um between the distribution sales and people coming directly to us on the website to buy but we uh we got around that by just having to open conversation with the uh, distribution companies that we were selling that way. um, And that if they wanted to engage with us, we were going to be doing that um, and that we would uh, try to uh, um, design the pricing of the products uh, to not uh, put them at a disadvantage.
2: I have to think that it's at least a bit of um, an easier conversation to be having when the distribution channel is being set up after your e-com is already, Exactly, because they they know that's how we operate. Because they can see it. So. Yeah, they're getting they know what they're getting into at least a little bit. Then they may just complain afterwards.
1: That is something though that people who are kind of approaching it the other way, where they already have existing distributor channels, I, I think they're more tepid about it. You know, or, or about introducing e-commerce after and bringing that level of channel conflict in. So it, you know the the order of operations here probably benefited
3: yeah, the order operations definitely paid off.
2: I don't want to get too far past the point before bringing it up because you mentioned in the previous company, you established e-commerce in a in a category that maybe didn't have a lot of e-commerce players. and said so this is, it chose to do the same thing as Southwest antennas. And um, we will be diving into what that meant from a, a OEM specification uh, perspective, et cetera, in a moment. but i'm I'm curious, in each of those instances, Have you found that the uh, kind of coming to market as a as a with a strong e-commerce play, did it have any kind of reputation rub off, if you will? Like, do you think that Southwest Antennas is maybe perceived as being uh, more? technologically with it etc as a result of the marketing and the web presence not just the technology that's baked into the products
3: yes very much so I mean uh, that's part of marketing too is your your public perception and what how people perceive your brand and um you know I I've always followed along with the uh, philosophy that your your company's brand is what your customers think of it it's not what you can think up whatever tagline you want you can try to you know work in specific markets and make your brand um, you can try to guide your brand but ultimately the customers decide what the brand is and what it is isn't. and by uh, having a uh, an e-commerce website and all our products up there it made us look like a um I mean quite frankly just like a bigger company than we were and it helped uh, helped our brand uh, definitely a lot because we already had kind of strong affinity from existing customers and uh, customers really liked us and how we did things and our in products. So having a more uh, reputable looking presence on the internet and having all our products up there kind of helped lift our brand just uh, that much more than it it would have otherwise if we'd left the website alone and just kind of had a kind of standard run of the mill, old school manufacturing website.
2: How much of that would you credit to the e com versus how much do you credit that to the uh, more uh maybe more progressive content initiatives like in the learning center or what have you. Uh,
3: I, I actually uh, give a lot of the credit to, uh, to the salespeople and the operations people that keep the, uh, keep our customers happy first and foremost. Um, Cause the uh, the one-on-one interactions with customers really uh, kind of help kind of just uh, cement the company in the customer's mind. Um, Cause we do have customers that operate with uh, pretty complex, um, kind of end-case scenarios, so we're we're, uh, helping them out a lot. So I credit that first and foremost, Um, but I think definitely the e-commerce played a a decent role in in helping set that uh, just because people could see what we have available. And, of course, we tried to put out a lot of content um, to help educate customers about things that would uh, be difficult for them or cause them issues. Um, Didn't necessarily have to do with our products per se, but uh, just... Kind of more general learning topics uh, for for folks deploying antennas into their particular use case scenarios.
1: Yeah, I think, too, I mean, in addition to having that great kind of you know, information available to so people can actually learn more than about just the specific products themselves but also more kind of about how they integrate and things like that. I mean, you you guys went further as well because you had 3D models and, and other things and just had all of this information just open. I mean, we talked about the, you know, the potential for um, ramifications with channel conflict with distributors. But I mean, the other thing that a lot of folks are, are concerned about is just, you know, making all of their information available and their competitors can see it, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a certain amount of bravery just putting that out there as well. I mean, as part of the overall product information.
3: Yeah, for sure. And that's something that it's definitely a, a mindset that you have to uh, get in the the zone for, because uh, it doesn't come automatically to everyone. But I thought it had a, an immense amount of positive impact for us. I think people overestimate the amount of uh, damage competitors can do with uh, knowing about your company. And if they want to know your pricing your lead times things like that they can find it out anyways a lot of these industries um there's kind of a a small core group of customers and competitors and things that are all kind of interacting at different times um so the world is small if if competitors want to find out information like that about you they can i find uh the benefit of having all that freely available for the customers Far outweighs anything um, damaging that a competitor could do um, to you with that information, and you have to trust that your uh, marketing strategy and the tactics that are underpinning that uh, can can survive the normal uh, kind of onslaught of of market competition. Um, so I, I, I don't, I, I to me the the benefits of of helping the customers uh, just far far outweighs any uh, detrimental effects from from competition.
0: slash sample abm
2: i hope um we've we've heard you hear this time and again right uh we so much so that you kind of i mean you can pretty much hold it to be true if people overestimate uh competitive concerns and and underestimate the benefit of of being more transparent and open with a lot of this information so it's just interesting to hear it yet again i hope people kind of take it to heart it can be just it can be it's just like you say it doesn't come naturally it's a
1: human decision Uh, In some way, people people are innately protective Mm. of Mm. that information, and not even really thinking like you know, it's possible to get your pricing. (laughs) We'll get your pricing, especially, and we may we may have to like tear down one of your units to understand how you built it, but we'll figure it out. You know, like (laughs) as compared to, you know, being a first mover in that in your particular industry and being the one who is transparent and open and giving of content and models and pricing and other information you develop a bit of an unassailable advantage at least for a long time because other people then have to try and catch up
3: yeah and 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 to me it's a you look at um if you if you're competing on just pricing and product features you're already in a in a kind of a losing scenario there because you don't want to be that's not what you want to be differentiating yourself with your with your competitor or your your customers about so competitors can look at information and try to to compete with you on those two things but to me that's not what separates a good company from from its competition so again it just goes back to giving all the information possible to your customers so they can make informed decisions at their own speed um and it, don't worry about what the competition is going to do with your pricing, because that—I mean, you're you're hopefully not uh, competing on pricing, anyways.
2: Yeah, if and if comp- the competitors are busy copying you or chasing you, then they're not busy innovating. So. Yeah, exactly. um Look, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the ecom dynamic uh, at, at Southwest. As you were kind of, kind of, as you were looking at the strategy as a way of migrating, if you will, from a single SKU sale to a, an OEM relationship, talk to me about the the role that you saw e-commerce playing in that, and and, and um, how you've driven OEM growth as a result.
3: Yeah, so we uh, we called um, our company at the time a job shop. So what that me- meant to us is that uh customers were coming to us one at a time with specific engineering or product requests and we would fulfill those and um, we knew that uh, to get the company the size we wanted to get it to that would not sustain us Uh, we we could not grow uh fast enough with that type of business model so we needed to be more of a uh commercial off the shelf uh, cots model where everything is ready to go ready to be purchased so by getting all the products up on E-commerce website. It allowed us to start to transition towards that model, where instead of us servicing customers coming to us with a specific need, customers could browse our products uh, and hopefully find one that met their needs that we already had, and independently choose to to buy that. They could either buy it online without interacting with anyone, or they could, uh, if they had questions, they could drop us a, an email or a message. Uh, contact us through kind of a more traditional sales uh, process and get the questions answered before trying out the product. And our whole hope with that strategy was that we would wind up seeing more customers coming to us to try the product out for the first time and then continue to buy that product as their end product went into full reproduction. Cause typically our customers were not, going to be the customers using the product in the field. It was going to be uh, one or two customers behind that, because our customers are um, system integrators, uh, radio manufacturers, companies like that that are um, designing technology to then be deployed by other folks. So we, a lot of times, weren't even um, interacting with the ultimate end user of the product. We were just interacting with the folks designing it.
2: So, can you give us a sense of the the impact of that? Like, uh, as you transition from simply being reactive to custom requirements to more um, uh, skew to opening up the, yeah. the product catalog to 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 serve uh, emerging requirements from a, a, obviously a broader number of prospects. Like, what kind of transition do we see in the lead flow? Is it are we talking about transformational? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what's the skinny?
3: It really it increased the amount of leads coming to us from new customers uh, pretty rapidly after the first year of website launch. You could, In the data, you could see a nice just upward line of uh, cu- new customers coming to us and our uh, specs or our, our stats around um, cost of customer acquisitions and uh, lifetime customer spend. Uh, increased at the same time or the the cost did not increase but the customer spending over their the life of the company account life of the company went up during that time and it was a uh, a nice um, we just saw a nice like increase in in generating demand from new companies and also capturing previously created demand from existing Companies who uh, were so large that we weren't servicing all the departments. So that's another interesting dynamic we saw. Is that um, in the defense industry, there's oftentimes very large companies that are spread out uh, across many offices, in different parts of the United States, and they're pretty stovepiped. Um, they one, you know, one, you know, group of uh, customers in one office, one engineering office somewhere might be using your product, but another office that could also use your product. In another part of the country, the since they're physically separated teams, they don't talk. They don't know your your uh, product solution exists. So, another kind of nice benefit we had of this is we started to see more sales from companies where uh, multiple departments started buying from us, uh, kind of in in succession, which was a, a nice thing to see.
1: I think one of the really interesting it's it's kind of a, it's a bit of a trailing indicator really. But you know, if if you're initially something like a job shop where you're you're supplying, you know, very custom parts that are engineered directly for somebody's needs and then moving to more of a, a brand kind of play, and maybe this is a really nerdy question, I don't know. But did you see an increase in the amount of branded search for your products and your SKUs as, as time went on that were initially more about people just kind of searching for very engineering oriented terms.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Our brand search has always been pretty strong and that I think goes back to, uh, Southwest Antennas having a pretty good brand reputation in the market already amongst the, uh, the small, cu- the small number of customers we had when I first started, but yeah, our branded search, um, remains incredibly strong to this day. Uh, a lot of people search for our name, um, Instead of, you know, a lot of people do search for specific product requirements, specific antenna requirements, antennas that operate within specific bands, things like that. But our branded search traffic still is uh, incredibly high and um, I think just serves to show that um, that kind of making sure you're taking that into consideration when you're uh, kind of architecting your overall strategy is very, very important and making sure you're tracking that. Did you see um,
2: uh, you mentioned about increases in lifetime value, customer expansion benefits? Um, what about in terms of speed uh, from kind of a, a first purchase to say a more OEM relationship? Did you, where, where you're getting a you know a bigger PO basically? Um, did we see any kind of evolution in, in, in that kind of cycle as well?
3: not as much so it, it didn't appear to really affect the the speed other than um, the
2: you're getting more of them but not necessarily any fast you,
3: you're getting more of them they they weren't moving faster but you get more of them but the, the thing that always would um, that was hard to measure is since we didn't these were not not known accounts to us before they would buy independently online, we didn't have a good way to measure how long they were already researching us or looking into us. So that's kind of the the unanswered part of it that I um, would like to continue to work towards in future positions is measuring that uh, that time that they were kind of in the research stage before finally coming to us and purchasing the solution. Because normally, if someone engages with you through a, a standard uh, kind of purchase model where they get in touch via a form. You have that, you know, that first touch date there, and then you can uh, kind of follow them along through the process as they eventually make a purchase, and you know how long that's taken. But when they come to your website and you've never seen them before, you don't know how long they're they were researching you. So it's a little bit of a um, unanswered question at this point, but it's something I'm looking forward to digging into in the future.
1: Yeah, it's something Carmen has really spent a lot of time over the last while is figuring out how to shine a light onto those earlier stages of, you know, before the buying
2: process. You know, yeah. It, it's, it can drive you crazy too. And, and then, the, <laughs> and, and I, I think that the, the more you light up parts of the funnel or as people will say, or parts of the buying process that were previously in the dark, um, it, you know, it becomes harder to, paint everybody with the same brush like mm-hmm. everybody goes through the same checkout yeah. <laughs> online but that doesn't so mean know. that they're going through the same research process in advance and and then uh yeah so it, it, it and then i think your options to impact it almost become greater uh, as well so it, it yeah it becomes murky in a hurry <laughs>
1: but I,
3: yeah the, yeah you can you can get into some uh some interesting data trying to fit it into what you're uh, you're looking at and it doesn't always give you the uh, the correct results i don't think
2: kind of curious when you think about the the e-com evolution at southwest is there anything that you would either say eh, i would have done that you know differently or i would have done x y or z faster or sooner just curious
3: I would have implemented um better search sooner that was something that was incredibly difficult for us to get our heads wrapped around was good quality uh, parametric search Um, it really seemed to uh, bedevil us and the the web developers and um, just trying to get good results that uh, were intuitive for the user who wasn't necessarily as in tune to the products as we were because um, that's something that always uh, was on my mind is I know the products back to front since I'm working with them all the time. I know how to search for exactly what I want on the website and find it, but I know the customers don't have that same experience. So getting a, a really, really good search tool dialed in right away would have been uh, something I would have looked into. And I think um, getting, I, I the amount of foreign transactions was larger than I thought, and I would have spent more time getting um, DHL and some other international shipping options squared away for us too. Because I I thought UPS was gonna just hand <laughs> do it do it all for us, and unfortunately. Um, we sold more product outside of kind of the typical UPS territory than I would have expected. So that was something having to come from behind on that and try to fix it afterwards was tough.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I could just hit out, hear, hear the conversations at launch. Yeah. If we if we get a few orders from yeah, we can deal with them one off. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, oh no. Oh no.
1: <laughs> like that old IBM ad. Do you remember that IBM e-commerce ad from about 20 odd years ago? And they were talking about implementing and it was like a small, they were launching the website. There was a little party and yeah, then, yeah. And then they're, they're watching about. the orders kind of tick in and then really tick in and then and it was like thousands <laughs> and thousands. Of, and then they were like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was either FedEx or IBM. I can't remember, but it was like 20 odd years ago before any of this was even a real concern for <laughs> most
3: people. Because <laughs> we, were, we were building this at the, the same time the company is growing. It's not like the company... Um, it was this large behemoth and we were doing e-commerce for the first time. It's um, we were doing this as the company is growing. So we never had a lot of international sales. So it's kind of a, it was something we had to learn to deal with as the the company is growing and the website was growing at the same time with it.
1: A wonderful problem to have, though. Yeah, I'm <laughs> exactly. assuming you didn't actually have the wherewithal to sort it out. But I mean, yeah. those are, you know, eh, man, you're not you're not the first person to say that On-site search was really hard to crack.
3: Yeah, incredibly hard. And it's, you know, we had all the products, um, all the parameters were in a database already. So in in my non-programmer mind, of course, I know it's going to be difficult, but how difficult could it be? And it turned out to be one of the more difficult challenges we had on the website was designing good, good search tools. Yeah.
2: And I think I think it was really insightful when you mentioned like it's uh, you have a way of thinking about the products, you have a way of searching so that you can get them. Um, (laughs) Makes sense to you to you internally, but it's really hard to be able to see it from the outside.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Very cool.
1: Well, Adam, really enjoyed this conversation. What would you say is going to be, you know what? What are you what are you most looking forward to um, about starting this journey uh, again?
3: Uh, I think building. I, I really like building things. It's something I was uh, fortunate to be the first marketing hire at Southwest Antenna. So I had the uh, the opportunity to kind of build things the way I wanted to build them. Um, of course, got input from the team, but I was kind of left to my own devices to build things how I wanted to build them. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to, uh, to build things at future companies. It's something I really enjoy doing.
1: That's fantastic and and like we said at the at the top we, we really look forward to chatting with you right. in uh, in a few months and and find out what you've uh, what you've been up to and, and how things are going there yeah that'd be great
3: well best for you yep thank you both for having me this has been uh fun yeah thanks a lot
0: thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K U L A Partners.com slash the cooler ring.